Nehemiah chapter number 33. I told Brother Bo today in the office, I said, uh, you know, Sunday and, uh, of course, tonight, these services were supposedly being uh, to be about our, our theme for this year. And uh, with the uh, change in schedule, I uh, had to seek the Lord out and find out what he'd have us to fill in until we got there. And what a blessing it is to be able to pray and ask the Lord to show us his will. Uh, and he does that, not uh, just in preaching, but shows us his will in our life. And I'm going to preach about that here a little bit tonight as we do look forward to Sunday. If the Lord should tarry, uh, and if he doesn't tarry, it'll be all right. We'll know his will then, won't we? Because we'll be with him. Jeremiah 33, remain seated if you don't mind. We're going to read down to a very familiar passage. Oftentimes this is a life verse for people. It's a verse that I would uh, encourage you to lock away inside the reaches of your heart because you're going to need this one. Jeremiah 33, let's start in verse 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time, while he was yet shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. Now verse 3 is going to be our text tonight. The Bible says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things, which thou knowest not. I'm going to read that again. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Let's ask the Lord to bless it tonight. Father, thank you for your word again. Thank you for the promises in these scriptures that we've read. Help us to take it, receive it, apply it to our lives. Help us get hope and confidence looking forward out of the message tonight. We pray, pray you'd speak to us in a way that only you can, and help us respond tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. I was trying to think t tonight of a good way to introduce uh, the message, and uh, I went to an unlikely source, believe it or not. It's not often that you quote Mike Tyson when it comes to introducing a message, uh, but every once in a while it just fits really, really well. And uh, Mike Tyson is not known for a lot of really floweredly sayings or quotes uh, in history, but he does have one quote that is often uh, worth mentioning, and I have it for you tonight to jot down if you'd like to. Mike Tyson once said, everyone has a plan till they get punched in the mouth. And boy, I tell you, I have lived that out in my life. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And that's plan A. Plan B is bite them in the ear if that doesn't work. But that's another quote for another message for another day. But I want you to think about that tonight. That's, that's a true statement. Everybody has a plan on what they're going to do and how they're going to do it uh, until they get punched in the mouth. It reminds me before we had children. Uh, I've been around ministry all my life and worked with kids. Most of my ministry was a children's minister for 10 years. Youth pastor, we lived at a youth camp. And uh, Brother Ben, I was around kids a lot, you know. And you think, well, I've observed thousands of them. And surely I know how to raise children now. Uh, and then you get one, and you realize just how much you didn't know. You see, you had a plan until you had a child. And I remember the very first night my daughter was on this planet uh, after she was born there at Merritt. I'm sitting in the hospital room with them. You know, they have that nice little faction where they allow them to be in the room with you. And I'm not sure how good of an idea that was, to be honest. And Miley's just crying and crying and crying. And I kept pressing the button for help. Lady, how you get her to quieten down? Literally, I had to call my mother-in-law from Louisiana and say, would you come live with us for a week, please, uh, and help us because I don't know what to do with this beautiful, wonderful little baby that will not quit crying. Now, before she was born, 
We got the books, what to expect when you're expecting, right? I mean, what a wonderful resource that is. And we had a good idea of what we're going to do and how we're going to raise this child. And everything was up there locked away until we had the child and everything changed. That's a punch in the mouth, isn't it? I was thinking about this past week. Little did I know what was going to transpire on Monday. When my dad sent me a text early on Monday morning, I'm walking to the coffee pot to get that morning shot of caffeine. And my dad texts me and dad says, I need you to call me ASAP. When my dad says that, it means something is wrong. And I didn't know exactly what was wrong. I didn't know what to expect, but I knew it was important. And so I stopped there and I called dad at the coffee pot. And he began to tell me what the doctors were saying about my mom, that uh, her right eye has lost circulation with a, an arterial condition that she has in her eye. And uh, she's going to lose her sight in her right eye if it progresses. And then when the right eye goes out, she has seven days before the left eye will go out and she'll be completely blind. It's not something you expect to hear on a Monday morning when you're talking with your dad about your mom. And I remember sitting there and just crying at the coffee pot, and my wife comes in, and I'm a slobbering mess. And my wife, I don't even have the oxygen to get get out the words what's going on, and she couldn't figure out what happened. I just had to show her the text on my phone of, Dad, give me the details of what was happening. And that was a punch in the mouth. Uh, We went back to the bedroom, Leslie and I did, and we cried together. The thought of my mom losing her sight and not being able to see and how hard that would be on her and how hard that would be on us. And we just sat back there in the bedroom and we cried together uh, for a while. And and then Miley was sitting on the couch trying to figure out, what's wrong with mom and dad? (laughs) You know, we don't just go around moping and crying all the time. And went down and sat beside Miley and Miley didn't know, but she looked at me and she says, spill it. And so I spilled it and then me and Leslie and Miley all cried together. What a punch in the mouth, not expecting that on a Monday morning. But what a blessing it was to go to God when we didn't have answers, to go to God and get answers from him. You know, oftentimes we get punched in the mouth in life, and we don't have an answer. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to say. But what a wonderful peace there was on Monday morning to be able to bow a knee and go before Almighty God and say, God, I I don't have an answer for this one. Uh, I, you know, I kind of have my life figured out and here's what we do here and here's what we do if this happens and here's what we do for this need and here's what we do to help this family. But now you get punched in the mouth with something you're not expecting. Oh, you don't have an answer anymore. But aren't you glad that when we get punched in the mouth and don't have answers that God does and we can go to God and God has exactly what we need. Now we're about to see this in the life of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is writing this from where? Look at verse one. The Bible says he's writing this from prison. Jeremiah has been arrested for preaching the judgment of God that was coming upon Judah, that Babylon was going to carry them away and destroy them. And Jeremiah has preached it so much that people have gotten tired of hearing that. And so they have virtually punched him in the mouth and put him into prison. He says, listen to me, God's going to bring judgment upon this place if you don't turn back to him. And they got tired of hearing it and threw him into prison. And even while in prison, Jeremiah is preaching and saying, God's going to bring judgment upon you, but there's something wonderful even in God's judgment. After God brings his his judgment upon his people, he tells them that there's going to be a time of restoration. Now, folks, listen, when judgment comes upon this nation and judgment comes upon your life and God's wrath comes upon this lost world, I'm thankful that even though those things have a, a, an effect on us and they transpire against us, that God still can work after that and God has a plan after that. Aren't you glad? 
That when trouble sometimes come our way, yet here is God preaching the restoration that will come. That God says, look, even though trouble's coming your way, I still have a plan in the midst of your trouble. Now, we need to see exactly tonight what God is showing Jeremiah, what God has for the people. I'm thankful that even though we get punched in the mouth, that God still has a plan after that. And the story doesn't end there. Now, 2022, the theme service will be this Sunday. And I'm earnestly praying that each and every one of us would seek God's will. God, what do you want us to do? We've gone through calamities the last couple of years, a lot of trouble, a lot of strife, and yet we yet still want to see God work, don't we? I don't want the story to end with the tough times we've had the last couple of years. I want to see God's will fulfilled in my life in spite of what we're going through. And God's speaking to Jeremiah. He says, look, you've been going through a lot, calamity, judgment's coming, but I want to work on the other side of that. So how do we find that? How do we find God's will and know God's direction after the calamity comes Well, he asked him a question, or God, he didn't ask a question. God gives him the answer to the questions we're going to ask in verse number three. Notice what the Bible says. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. He said, I want you to call unto me. I'm going to answer you. I'm going to show you all the answers. I'm going to show you the direction after the calamity. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to know God's will for my life after all that we've gone through. I'm thankful that God has a will after all that we've gone through for Central Baptist Church. But we've got to be willing to seek out his will once we get through that time. Now, how do we do that? Well, we're going to see it in verse 3 tonight. The message is simply this. When God's will gets real. When God's will gets real. And we're going to see an outline of how God's will will become known to us after we go through these times of calamity. Look, if you will, to verse 3. The Bible says, call unto me. Now watch these next parts. And I will answer thee, and what? Show thee great and mighty things. Now, in the darkness of the despair that Jeremiah was about to go through and he was going through, God says, I have a plan for you in the midst of even that. Now, I'm glad tonight, as in the case of my mom this week, that even in the times where it's difficult and tough, that God has a plan to work through all of that. Notice he says, I want to show you something. Now, in order for us to find God's will, God's going to have to show it to us. But notice the promise he gives to Jeremiah. He says, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. Number one tonight, I want you to notice finding God's will as we move forward. Notice it begins with a personal promise. It begins with a personal promise. Now, can I tell you, it's going to be hard for you to pursue something you really don't believe in. Now, hear me out. It would be hard for Jeremiah to look forward to God's will if he didn't genuinely believe that God had a will for him. Now understand this. I believe with all of my heart that if you're saved tonight, there's some part of you that genuinely believes in God's will, okay? You believe that God has a will for your life. But I don't know tonight how much we believe that God's will is a promise for our life that he desires to bring about in our life. You say, why don't you believe that? Because we don't believe it enough to pursue it. 
Now, he made a promise to Jeremiah, I want to show you something. Aren't you glad tonight that God has something in 2022? If he tarries, he wants to show us. I'm thankful that God has a will for my life and my family's life and for this church, and he wants to show it to us, but the only way we'll pursue it is if we genuinely believe in the promises of the word of God. Do you know if you invited me tonight after the service, say, hey, after the service, we're going leprechaun hunting. You know what I'm going to tell you? I'm going home to my wife. I'm sitting on the couch with my wife and my daughter around our fake fireplace. And I'm going to have some leftover pizza that I, had, uh, that I had for lunch. That's what we're having for supper. So why don't you want to go? I don't believe in leprechauns, okay? Other than the one on the cereal box, I don't believe on them, in them, okay? I'm not going to waste my time pursuing something that I don't believe in. Now, what does that have to do with the will of God? Well, oftentimes, I don't believe we pursue the will of God as we should. It's because we don't believe it's a promise of Almighty God that God has a plan for our life and God desires to work through our life if we'll pursue it. Now, notice Jeremiah here. This is important. The greatest reason Jeremiah had to look forward was the fact that God had a will for him. The greatest reason in prison to look beyond what he had gone through was the simple fact that God had a will for him. Now, folks, the greatest reason Central Baptist Church should look forward in this new year is God has a will for us. See, how do you know that? We're still here. Or at least most of us are. Some of you are dozing, but most of us are still here. Now, folks, the very fact that we draw breath tonight shows us that God has left us here to fulfill the holy purpose for which he left us. It's his will. Now, that ought to be reason enough for us tonight to strike out on Sunday morning looking forward beyond whatever we've went through because God promises to use us for his glory. So number one, we see he promised him, he says, I will show you. This past week, uh, my wife got me a brand new pistol for Christmas last year, over a year ago, and uh, I still hadn't shot it. I hadn't stopped taking the time to shoot that pistol. And I said, you know, I I better go shoot it in case somebody breaks in our house. It sits on my my side table, and I need to make sure it works if they do break in my house that I can shoot somebody, okay? I'm not looking forward to it. If I had to, I will. And I said, you know, Miley, you've never never shot this gun, have you? No, no. I said, I want to show you how to use it. I want to show you how to use it. So we go out, and there's some targets there in front of her. And I said, Miley, I'm going to show you how to shoot straight, okay? I was going to demonstrate it for her first. And so we get out there, and I emptied the entire clip. Pow, 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 pow. And I showed her how to do it. I said, all right, it's your turn. It's your turn. She goes, are you sure? I said, Dad, look, Dad's not going to let you get hurt. Take the gun. And she put the gun in her hand, and I put my hands around her hand. I said, I'm going to hold you. I'm going to be with you the whole time, and we're going to shoot this gun. And she says, all right, I'm going to ask her, don't even aim the first time. Just pull the trigger and get it over with. You know, because the shock and the boom just scared you. I said, just pull the trigger. She pulled the trigger. She near about hit the center of the target. And I held my hands there, and pow, pow, pow. After a while, I took my hands off of it. I said, all right, now it's your turn. I took it back. Man, kind of scared me how good she was. She puts it up there and kind of gangster side. No, she really held it. She held it right. I told her two hands the whole time. I was thinking this afternoon, that's how our father did for us. Watch this. Not only did he tell us what his will was, he preserved it for us. And not only did he preserve it for us, after Jesus ascended to heaven, he left the Holy Spirit of God for us. Why? To show us. 
He said, listen, I'm not going to expect you just to magically know my will. I'm going to show it to you. Now, listen to me. Our heavenly father loves us enough that he has demonstrated. Watch. He sent Christ to demonstrate his will for us. And then when Christ ascended, he left the Holy Spirit. What did the Holy Spirit do? He guides us in all truth. Why? Because our father wants us to know his will. He says, I want to use you, and I've given you my will for your life. I even sent my son to show you how to do it. I want you to think about this. Old Testament, we had the priest, we had the judges, we had the prophets. You know what their job was? To show the will of God. All in the Old Testament, God sent his people, the will through people. And then we have Christ come, and he shows us his will. He lives it out. He's the living, breathing illustration of the will of God. He lived it for us. And then we have the apostles. They showed the will of God. And then when they were all gone, the Holy Spirit is here now with us, showing us the will of God. Why? Our Father wants us to know that. Now listen, the will of God oftentimes gets relegated to this mysterious thing that cannot be known. Can I tell you, there's nothing further from the truth. Why would your father hide his will from you? I showed my daughter. I said, Miley, I want you to know how to use this. I showed it to her first, and then I held her hands while she did it. And then I stood there and watched her and guided her as she did it for herself. Why? I'm her dad. I want her to know how to use the tools that I've given her. She did a great job with it. Now, how much more our heavenly father wants us to know his will He's shown us his will. Now, it's up to us tonight to realize our Father has promised us his will for our life. He says, I will show it to you. Now, when he shows it to us, it's up to us to do something with it. They say, why is that so important? Why is this personal promise from God? God says, Jeremiah, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show the people. Why is it so important? Do you know there's going to come time in your Christian life, all that you're going to have to go with is the promises of God. That's it. You're not going to have, look, you're not going to have that magic eight ball that you shake up to figure out what God wants you to do. You're not going to have that. You're not going to have somebody telling you what the will of God is. There are going to be times in your Christian life, the only thing you're going to have to go with is the promises of God. And you better believe it enough to strike out with that and that alone. See, what do you mean? Remember the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 about Abraham? When God called Abraham, what did God give Abraham? He gave him a treasure map, showed him exactly where he needed to go, what he needed to do. No, the Bible says Abraham went out not knowing. What did Abraham go after? He went after the promises of God. What did he have to go with? Nothing but God's word. Nothing but God's word. Remember my dad resigned his first church. Everybody was asking him, you know, where are you going? What are you going to do? He says, I don't know. I don't know. And boy, I thought to myself, man, I want to be like that one day. And then one day God called me away from the exact same church. Everybody says, where are you going? I says, I don't know. Be careful what you wish for. Sometimes all you're going to have is the promise of God. That's it. But the promises of God are good enough. You know, when Moses struck out to go see Pharaoh, what did God give him? A suit of medieval armor and an AR-15. He took with him a stick. He had a stick. I wonder tonight, the Central Baptist Church having a faith in the promises of God to pursue God's promises simply on his word, just because he said. 
I remember my dad, when I was a kid, you used to go in the local banks and get a loan on signature. Does anybody old enough to remember that? You get a loan on signature. He would just go in there and need to buy something, a new well at the camp or something. And that 86 F-150 that's mine was his, and it was paid off, and he would take, the, take his uh, a title in there, and it would give him a loan on signature. He'd say, hey, here, you know, and it was all good. Didn't have to go through all that paperwork. Just said, hey, your word's good enough. Can I tell you tonight, God's word's good enough. Whatever God's will is for us in 2022, we ought to set out and go after it. Why? Because he says, I will show. God says, I'm going to point it out to you. Number one, when God's will gets real, it begins with a personal promise. If God said it, that ought to be good enough. Jeremiah sits in prison, and yet God's promise was good enough. But where did the promise come from? We've got to go backwards a little bit. Look at the first part of verse 3. The Bible says, call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee. Now, this is interesting here. God showing Jeremiah what his will was, was a result of Jeremiah calling unto God. Now, this is important. Everybody wants God to show them. God, I want you to show me. I'm waiting on God to show me. But notice, God didn't say, wait on me. He says, call unto me. Now, this is where it gets real, okay? We've got to get to the place where the promises of God are so real that we believe it enough to call out and ask for it. That's number two. Notice a purposed pursuit. A purposed pursuit. He says, call unto me and I will answer thee. Now, before you say what oftentimes I say, well, I tried that and it didn't work. I tried that and it didn't work. Folks, When we're calling upon God, we're not calling on him like we do oftentimes calling someone that we're really not trying to get a hold of. You ever done that? I'm just calling them back because they called me. I really don't want to talk to them. Anybody else ever do that? Okay, every once in a while I'll do that. You call us, you got to return the call. When we call out to God, this is a pursuit. This is seeking him earnestly and genuinely desiring to have something that only he can give us. Notice he says, when you call, I will answer and I will show. The word call means to cry out or to seek. You see, the promises of God have got to be so real to us in the new year that we're willing to cry out and beg God for them. Now, when was the last time you begged God for his will? I'm talking about seriously. When was the last time that you earnestly cried out to God for something you could only get from God? I know on Monday I did. On Monday I did. When you walk out of a doctor's office and he tells you, hey, you could have seven days of sight left. I asked my mom when she walked in the kitchen, I says, where do you want to go? She says, what do you mean? I said, if you only have seven days, what do you want to see? I said, we'll put you on a plane today. We're going to get you where you want to go to see whatever it is you want to see. She says, I'm I'm happy where I'm at. I'm like, no, you got to go somewhere. We're going to send you. You want to go to Paris? Where do you want to go? We're going to help you get where you want to go. Because it was out of our reach. There's nothing we could do. Can I tell you what a blessing it was to be able to go back to that bedroom and bow a knee before an almighty God and cry out to him for something only he could do? There's a peace in that. Now, folks, when was the last time you cried out to God for his will? God, I got to know your will. I'm not talking about God is good, God is great, show me your will today, please, amen. I'm talking about when was the last time you cried out, I want to know your will. He says, when you call out, call unto me, I will answer thee and show thee. Turn with me back to your left, Proverbs chapter 2. I want to show you something. Proverbs chapter 2. If you're going to find the will of God, it's not going to be by an accident. It's a purpose pursued. You've got to seek it. Proverbs chapter 2 is going to help us a little bit. 
Watch what it says in verse 1. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Watch this. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and lifteth up thy, liftest up thy voice for understanding. If thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Notice verse 5, it says then. That means as a result of. Then what? After you seek her as silver and search for her as hid treasures. Can I ask you tonight, if you found out you had some silver buried somewhere in your backyard, hey, silver's going up right now. They say they put it in cell phones. It makes it kind of expensive. You found out you had silver buried somewhere in your backyard. I bet you get out there and dig it up. I bet we would. If you found out you had a hid treasure somewhere on your property, I bet you get out there and look for it. Why? Because you want it. You're willing to seek after it, and you're willing to, to cry out for it. Why? Because you want it. Now, the Bible says if we want what God could give us, verse 5, then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Isn't that what we want in the new year? I want the knowledge of God. I want to know your will. I want to know what you have for my life, okay? If you want to show me something, I'm willing to do what it takes for you to show me something. And, oh, we cry out to God, and he shows us, and he gives us that knowledge. But we got to seek it. we got to want it. I've told you before about Ben Franklin. I love this quote. Someone came up to him. A disgruntled American came up to him and says, listen, where's all of this happiness the Constitution is supposed to guarantee us? Ben Franklin, being the wise man that he was, he says, the Constitution does not guarantee us happiness. It guarantees us the pursuit of it. His words was this, you have to catch it yourself. You have to catch it yourself. That means you're going to have the opportunity, but whether or not you get it is whether or not you wanted it bad enough. And the reason tonight we don't get shown the will of God, it's not because God hid it from us. Listen, don't malign God that way. God's not going to hide his will from Central Baptist Church in 2022. He's not going to do that. He's a loving father. He wants to show it to us, but he's not just going to show it to us for showing up once in 2022. We've got to be willing to seek it and to cry out for it. I, I debated on whether or not I was going to say this. I know we have a few Alabama folks here tonight. I'll try to go easy, okay? Uh, Alabama still sits at the top of the college football legacy, you know, dynasty throne. They still do, Okay. But I heard something the other night, and I, I need to use it because it's real time, and I think we'll understand it. It was no accident that Georgia won the other night. Now, I didn't think they were going to win. I really didn't think they were going to win because you just never beat Nick Saban. But after the game, they interviewed Kirby Smart, the coach of Georgia, and they asked him, how did you finally? He had lost four times to him. He was 0 for 4 against Nick Saban. Okay? So he's got a ways to go before he ever catches up with him. I'm not a fan of either, so I don't have a dog in the fight. And he asked him, it says, how did you finally topple your old mentor. He says, for years, our motto at Georgia has been one thing. He says, we have it on the walls. We speak of it every practice. He says, two words, beat Bama. Beat Bama. It was no accident. For four years, they'll probably have to work four more years to get another one. For four years, they had one goal, beat Bama. They knew that was the top. If you're gonna, look, if you're going to get a title, you've got to beat Bama sooner or later. They knew that was going to be the top of the mountain. So for four years, beat Bama, beat Bama. You know what they were doing? They were purposefully pursuing it. Purposefully pursuing it. What if we woke up every morning 
and we had written on our mirror in our bathroom, pursue God's will. Pursue God's will. When we get in our car, we had a little piece of tape taped across the dashboard, pursue God's will. And we set alarms on our phone at lunchtime. When we get ready to eat our sandwich, don't forget to pray, pursue God's will. Pursue God's will. Look, it's not going to accidentally happen. You've got to pursue it in 2022. The Bible says, call unto me. You want me to show you something? Call unto me. Pursue it. That's why Matthew 6, the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. I never thought about it this way until this afternoon. Do you know the only way God's going to be first? You better seek it. You got to seek him. God, I mean, folks, listen, I work at it, and sometimes God falls to three, four, and five on my list. You got to seek it. You got to cry out for it. You got to purposely pursue to put Christ first in your life. It's not just going to happen. But when you believe in the promises, Jeremiah says, God promised to show me something. Therefore, I'm going to call out to him and I'm going to pursue him. Why? Because I want it just that bad. In Jeremiah 29, verse 13, the Bible says, And ye shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. When you search for me with all your heart. My prayer for our church in 2022 is very simple. That we will pursue the will of God purposefully. That look, we're not just going to come on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Hey, that's great. Three to thrive. That's great. You need to be here. But while you're here, are you purposefully pursuing the will of God? I want to know it. I want to know why God left me here in 2022. Do you know how many people did not make it through 2021, and yet you did, and I did, and our church did? you know how many churches closed their doors in 2021? I know of many personally. They didn't make it out of the pandemic, and yet we did, all right? And to the glory of God, we should say, hey, God, you left us here. You've got something to show us, and we're going to purposefully pursue it in the new year. Folks, if we would do that, there's no telling what God could do with our church, but we've got to want it bad enough. Believe it or not, I have a second quote for you from Mike Tyson. That's probably the first time this has ever happened in history, that Mike Tyson is being quoted twice in the same message behind a pulpit. When I was reading today, I was trying to find that quote, and I found that quote and a few more. He said this, I don't get up at 4 a.m. and go jogging because I like it. He said, I get up at 4 a.m. to go jogging because the other guy isn't, and that gives me the edge. He said, I know the other guy is sleeping in at 4 a.m., and so I'm going to get up at 4 a.m., and I'm going to go jog, and I'm going to go run, and I'm going to go work out because I know he's being lazy, he's staying in bed, and I want it more than he does, and that's what gives me the edge. That and sharp teeth. That's what gives him the edge. You know what's going to give our church the edge in 2022 against Satan? The edge is going to be we want it bad enough. You know, the Lord's blessed us with so much here. God's blessed us with a great heritage. God's blessed us with a great property. God's blessed us immensely at Central Baptist Church. But I assure you, listen, that's not what's going to make this church great in 2022. What's going to make it great in 2022 is his people that are a part of this church purposefully pursuing God's will. Okay, here I am, Jeremiah Andrews. I want to know what your will is for me in 2022. I don't want to ride anybody else's coattails. I want to know what your will is. I'm ready to get real about this matter of God's will, a purposed pursuit. And then number three, Brother Bo said he uploaded the podcast today from Sunday night. He says, and it went quicker than usual. I said, yeah, I preached shorter than usual. Probably preach shorter again tonight. If you'll smile, I might do that more in 2022. We'll see if it's God's will, right? The Bible says, call unto me and I will answer thee 
and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. As I was reading through this today, I saw something, boy, that hit home with me, where he says in verse 3, I will answer. I will answer. There's a final requirement for us to get real about this matter of God's will. And it includes those two words, I will. I will. As I read that, I thought to myself, do you know there have been many times in my life I have sought God's will earnestly, begging, pleading, praying, crying out, I want to know it. I want to know it more than I want to eat. I want to know it more than I want to sleep. I want to know it. I want to know it. And there have been many of those times the answer did not always come immediately. Notice he didn't say, I will immediately. He says, I will answer. This is why the third part of getting real with God's will is so important. Number three, notice a patient process. A patient process. Can I tell you how hard you work and how long you're willing to wait on the will of God shows how bad you really want it. How hard you're willing to work and how long you're willing to wait shows how bad you really want it. I've never considered this. I've preached at, uh, uh, on Paul's sword in the flesh so many times, but never really thought about the fact that the Apostle Paul, who was as close to Christ as anybody could be, he had a thorn in his flesh, didn't he? And what did he do? He prayed. He says, Father, I, I'm asking you to remove this. And he's begging God, God, God I, I need you to do this. He's asking God. And what did he say? He says, thrice. I besought the Lord for it thrice to remove it. And boy, I was humbled in my office as often I need to be, thinking the Apostle Paul, who was that close to Christ, and yet he had to ask three times to find out what God's will was? Oh dear, I'm probably going to have to wait till 50 or 60, that I besought the Lord 50 times, 100 times. Can I tell you tonight, knowing the will of God is worth the wait, but there's times you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait to find out. He says, Jeremiah, I will answer. You know, Joseph had to wait years to find out what God's will was. What's the pit all about, God? God didn't answer what the pit was all about. What's people throwing me in prison for, God? Why am I going through this, God? Why are you letting people lie on me and forget about me? God, I'm going through all of this. God didn't explain it yet. Joseph's just going to have to wait. And finally, years later, as Joseph sits there, second in command on the throne in Egypt, finally, God shows him what it was all about. But he had to be willing to go through a patient process. I'll tell you tonight, the will of God is worth it if you're willing to wait for it. Because they have a promise from him that he's going to show us something. But he says, I will answer thee. He didn't say, I'll answer immediately. He says, I will answer thee one of my favorite quotes from Spurgeon, they wrote a song about it. God is too good to be unkind. He's too wise to be mistaken. When you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. God is too good to be unkind. You know, it's easy when you get punched in the mouth, have a pity party, isn't it? We're all prone to it. I don't know any Christian who's as super enough to walk through fires all the time with a smile on their face. Sometimes we want to have a pity party. But God is too good to be unkind. He's too good to be unkind. 
And when we look at what we go through and we don't understand it, watch, if we really believe in the promise, and we really believe in what we're pursuing, we're going to be patient. Okay. Okay. I want to see what you're doing in this because I know you're doing something. My daughter, we sit there on the couch and we cried together. It was a, boy, it was a messy moment on Monday. And we're sitting there and crying and I said, Miley, this is where we decide whether or not we believe what we say we believe. Do we really believe that all things work together for good? I do. I do. Do we really believe that grace is sufficient? Not a cliche. Look, you get punched in the mouth, you're going to find out if you believe it or not. Well, I got a plan. Here's what I'm going to do. Any bad thing ever happens to me, oh, I'm just going to trust in the grace of God and there's a peace that passes understanding. Great plan. Great plan. Let's find out when you get punched in the mouth. Because here's what you're going to do. You're going to be patient until you find out what he was doing. Because he promised, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. You don't know what's going on. What did it say, the last part of verse 3? Things thou knowest not. You don't know what's going on. All you know is, wow, that hurt. I just got punched in the mouth. But I trust the one who's orchestrating and ordering my steps that I'm going to pursue his will, and he's going to show me something if I'll just be patient. Now, look. Don't show up here Sunday morning, Vision Sunday. All right, pastor, I'm here. I'm going to watch the video, look around at all the stuff on the walls. Man, I'm excited about that. Looking forward to what God's going to do. And you walk out of the service thinking, well, that message was a dud. Must not going to be much of a theme this year. No, look, you better be patient with God. It's not me you're being patient with. It's God who's giving us his will. He wants to show it to us if we're patient enough to pursue it and let him do through us what he wants to do. Moses had to be patient. Paul had to be patient. Joseph had to be. Oh, Job. Oh, Job. Trouble after trouble, trial after trial. And yet Job was patient. And what did the Bible say in Job 42? The Bible says that latter end was better than the beginning. Finally, he saw it, but it, boy, it took 42 chapters. But he was patient. Now, my desire for my life my prayer, my burden for our church is that God would show us something great this year. That God's going to show us something great. But he put some qualifiers on that. He said, I want you to know, I will show you. It's a promise. Don't worry. I want to show you something great. But wait a minute. You're going to have to call unto me. Not talking about showing up just once, showing up twice. No, no. You're going to have to pursue me. You're going to have to seek me. You're going to have to want it. Look, by the way, you can't exclude the house of God from the will of God. It doesn't happen. I know these, these happy-go-lucky churches out there today think, you know what, you can live the way you want, do what you want, go where you want, and somehow God's just going to show you his will like a magic potion or a rabbit's foot. It doesn't work that way. You better seek it. I want it bad enough. I'm going to pursue it through the church. I'm going to pursue it in his word. I'm going to pursue it through obedience. I'm going to pursue it through prayer. I'm going to pursue it. Why? Because I want him to show me something great. And then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be patient. I'd love to be able to tell you that we're going to have zero disruptions after Sunday. I'd love to be able to tell you that. And you'd love for me to be able to tell you that too, but I can't. But why don't you decide you're going to be patient no matter what? He says, I will show. And I'm going to be patient to see what God wants to do through me 
what God wants to do through our church. Can I tell you when God's will is going to get real? Number one, when you realize it's a promise that God's going to work, God wants to work, God can work, you grab hold of that like a bulldog on a stake. You say, I'm not letting go. Okay, God said he wants to work. God can work no matter who I am, where I'm from, God wants to work. So then I'm going to purposefully pursue it. I'm not going to back down this year. I'm going to pursue it. And then I'm going to pursue it with patience. I'm willing because he said I will. He said I will. I don't know how many times over the last two years I've gone to God and said, okay, God, another curveball. You know God's not affected by curveballs. Aren't you glad? Nothing catches God off guard. God will work if we as his people will pursue it and pursue his will patiently. Our heads tonight.